Radio. Introduction to the Sacrament of Holy Communion, the Mass. An interview with Sister Moira de Bono for the Introduction to the Sacrament series. Sister Moira de Bono is a religious sister of Mercy of Alma, Michigan, with a doctorate in sacred theology. Sister Moira is currently a lecturer at the University of Notre Dame, Australia, specialising in the sacraments. second part of the interview on Holy Communion. Thank you for joining me once again. Uh, you're welcome, Luke. Now, we ended the last interview with looking at the road to Emmaus uh, and about the, the breaking of the bread, uh, the word of God being spoken at the beginning of that, and then at the end, after the breaking of the bread, the uh, those disciples going forth uh, and going back to, to the apostles to tell them what they had seen. I guess in this interview, we want to go a little bit deeper into the Mass itself and the structure of the Mass itself and how this, um, how the Eucharist uh, is both the Mass itself and the centre of that. So I guess the easiest way would be to go through it chronologically. So what do we do at the, at the start of the Mass and um, what is the importance of that? Well, we can see that the Mass is... Um outlined for us in that story of the disciples on the road to Emmaus. And we see that there are two basic divisions in the Mass, if we want to say, or elements, the Liturgy of the Word and the Liturgy of the Eucharist, which sometimes confuses persons because the whole Mass is also called the Liturgy of the Eucharist. Uh, on either side, if we want to say the beginning and the end of the Mass, we have the introductory rites and the concluding rites. And basically, when we look at the whole picture of the Mass, we're going to see this beautiful framing that occurs in the celebration. Uh, the development of the Mass, you know, we have a certain description of it in the scriptures. But then over time, over the centuries, um, as we come to understand more and more about the Eucharist and reflect on the Eucharist, that that informs then the different parts of the Mass and what happens at the different parts of the Mass. And, um, you know, we have like the last in 2011 when we had the third edition of the Roman Missal. It was almost like a tweaking of the Mass, some clarifications in translation and even in our actions. So if we look at the introductory rites of the Mass, we have, um, what do we have there? We have are standing as the priest and his ministers, you know, the servers, possibly a deacon, the reader, also carrying the book of the Gospels, possibly, if there's not a deacon, uh, processing in. And we all stand as he moves towards the sanctuary of the church. The sanctuary of a church is meant to be set apart. It's meant to somehow be different than the rest of the church because it's a symbol of that new Jerusalem that we spoke about in the last talk. Of, of heaven, the heavenly liturgy. And so there's meant to be a distinction between the, the two areas of the church. Um, and ideally, what is at the head of the procession is a processional cross. We have the cross with Jesus crucified on the cross. We know Jesus is risen, however, in heaven. But this cross leading us to the sanctuary, leading us to the new Jerusalem. And as we stand, it's almost as if we are accompanying that priest, the priest and the ministers, to the new Jerusalem. 
that this we're we're recollecting and preparing um, and uh, about to enter into this mystery. I neglected to say earlier, even before we stand for the beginning of Mass, there is an informal part of Mass that we call being prepared for Mass. We prepare for Mass by making sure we're there on time, possibly reading the readings ahead of time, even how we dress, how we, what we think about, what we listen to on the radio or on headphones before we come to Mass. Um, if we're going to receive Holy Communion, that we have fasted in the Roman Rite for an hour beforehand from um, food and um, liquids. And we enter into the church in a, in a quiet manner. All right, our, our tone is different. We're entering into a, a religious time in a very particular way. All right, so the, we, we're standing during the introductory rites. The priest um, uh, kisses, uh, kisses the altar. There's an, uh, an act of adoration towards the tabernacle that's in the vicinity of the altar as well. And he stands at the chair, the chair which recognizes his authority um, as the leader, the presider um, of the celebration. And his first words to us are the sign of the cross, that we're going to begin this Mass with this mystery of the sign of the cross and the words of the, and the names of the Trinity. After he greets us, then he act, he. Um, we begin what's called the penitential rite. The penitential rite, which is not the sacrament of penance per se, but it's a time to acknowledge, to acknowledge our sinfulness, we say, that we um, take a moment to realize that this is a special event, that we're really not worthy to be present at, but yet we, by that acknowledgement of our unworthiness, we then enter in. Um, we notice many times during the Mass where the priest himself has his own little prayers of acknowledging that unworthiness and asking to be made worthy. Um, we recognize at this time that venial sins are actually forgiven as we are sincerely sorry for faults in our lives. Um, not grave or serious or mortal sins, but venial sins. We still need the sacrament of penance for a serious sin. We acknowledge our sinfulness. We pray the confidior, which has some very uh, good phrases for us to keep in mind. You know, we say, I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, so that right away we're acknowledging that we're asking each other, each of us present, to pray for the others, that we're acknowledging our sinfulness, and then we ask through that confidior, you know, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault, you know, and I ask that you, brothers and sisters, pray for me, etc. So that we have, we have, a, you know, we do have responsibility to pray, not only for our own intentions, for the rest of the community that's at the, at Mass as well, all right. Um, and then there might be the Gloria, that song of praise, which is very scriptural, and from the, um, after the Gloria, we have what's called the collect, or the opening prayer. The collect, um, which means to collect. And basically, you know, the priest says to us, let us pray. And there's a few moments of silence where we do gather our thoughts, our intentions for this Mass. 
And um, then the priest with his arms outstretched in a, in a, in a, this priestly gesture of gathering up our prayers and offering them to the Father, um, prays the prayer that is proper for that particular day of the liturgical year. Um, we're entering into one of the mysteries of God, of, of the mysteries of Christ, um, in this particular Mass. And we hear it through the, the um, opening prayer. We sit then, and we listen. We listen to Scripture. If it's on a Sunday, we're going to listen to three readings, including a psalm. That's all we could say, four readings. Um, and then, you know, we have a cycle in the Catholic Church of a three-year cycle on Sundays, that by the end of three years, attending Mass on Sunday and listening to the Word of God, that we hear a very good portion of Scripture, um, attending Mass during the week. There's like a two-year cycle that's been given to us. And so by the end of three years, besides attending Mass on Sunday, those who attend during the week have a, a large amount of the Bible listened to that we hear during the Liturgy of the Word. The Liturgy of the Word is very important in our liturgies because it helps us recall the great works of God. What has God done in the past? as he's shown himself to be that God of mercy and justice. And because we recognize that in the liturgy, what we hear about will take place again today. It takes place in the liturgy in this day and age. The plan of salvation continues. And we recognize it takes place so that we're actually affected, so that when we leave the church, the effects of Holy Communion or the effects of attending Mass influence our way of life. Um, so we listen to the Old Testament during the Easter season. You will hear the New Testament there as well. The second reading is um, one of the apostolic letters or of St. Paul and then the Gospel. And our responsorial psalm is between the first and the second readings. Um, again, the Word of God helping us to respond to His own Word. And um, we listen to a homily then by the priest in the person of Christ who helps, um, who helps apply those readings so that we understand them and how, what can we take away from those words that, we can, that will influence our life. The Liturgy of the Word continues with the praying of the Nicene Creed, if it's a Sunday or a Solemnity, or the Apostles' Creed where we're literally praying, declaring our faith. What are the mysteries of the faith? And, there are, and we hear them one after the other. I, can, I you know, believe, etc. Um, and to conclude the Liturgy of the Word, we have the prayers of intercession or the prayers of the faithful, the general intercessions. We have many terms for them. Where in our baptismal priesthood, the laity pray for the church, for world leaders, for world peace, for those in any special need, and then for the local community. It's, it's, a, it's a very, um, it's, it's an interesting part of the Mass in the sense that it is our response to the Word of God. God did all these great things in the Liturgy of the Word that we listen to in Scripture, 
and we dare to present our needs to a God who has answered them in the past, and we ask him to answer these now for us. Um, and also, if you notice, we have an experience of praying for the whole church. It's only at the towards the last uh, intercessions that we really pray for our own selves or our own needs, because um, we understand that that the mass, those of us who are at this particular celebration, um, the effects of this mass are not merely for us, but they're for the whole world. And we acknowledge we have a role to play in our baptism to pray for the whole world, not just for ourselves, for our families and friends, but for everyone. Now that I presume concludes the uh, the liturgy of the word. Yes. Um, straight after that, of course, is the liturgy of the, of the Eucharist, the, the second part of the Mass. Um, can you describe to me what, what happens there? In the liturgy of the Eucharist, we begin with the offertory rite, where we actually, you know, uh, we can say that actually taking up the collection is part of the offertory rite, because besides the bread and wine that's brought up in, in procession, we also bring, also can bring up uh, goods for the poor, goods for the needs of the church, which in the old days would literally have been food or whatever else. Um, whereas nowadays, it's usually some monetary offerings by the faithful, though some parishes actually do, you know, have a food drive or something, and some of that might be also brought up at the offertory. The offertory then, by the actions, we also see how we are meant to unite our hearts and minds to the offering of Christ. So the offertory, which sometimes gets overlooked, people are too busy thinking about the collection, that we recognize this is the time when we offer our prayers, we offer ourselves in some way with the sacrifice of Jesus. And even the words of the priest reflect that. May my sacrifice and yours, brothers and sisters, be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father, etc. And we um, begin the Eucharistic prayer soon after that. And that begins with a dialogue between the priest and ourselves. And, and then we have the singing of the Holy, 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 or the Sanctus. Um, at, the end of the, at the end of that dialogue, there is a, what we call the preface. And at the end of the preface, it says, We dare to sing with the angels, Holy, Holy, Holy. And that's right out of the book of Revelation. We, so we can dare to say that we sing with the angels, because that is what's going on in heaven, that singing of the holy, holy, holy. So it's another experience of helping us be um, acknowledge the presence of the angels and saints around the altar, and the link there is between this earthly liturgy of the Mass and the praise that is occurring in heaven. After the Sanctus, we kneel for the Eucharistic prayer. It's the typical uh, posture here in Australia. And it is, we hear the priest saying the words of Jesus. You know, he has a narrative, but then it becomes a first person. And taking bread, he said, take and eat. This is my body. This is my blood. So that we have the consecration of the elements, the bread and the wine. And this is the high point of the Mass. 
where the priest raises the host, raises the chalice afterwards, and we have a moment of adoration. Persons don't always consider adoration within Mass, but that is actually one of the moments of adoration. And then he very simply says, the mystery of faith. Just as, not even a verb in there, the mystery of faith. And then we answer with our acclamation. Save us, Savior of the world, for by your cross and resurrection, you have set us free. And the Eucharistic prayer has a rich history, which with the constraints of our little talk, we can't get into. But we have uh, some Eucharistic prayers that really have a history that go back to the third century and some that may go back even further in some of the Eastern rites. Um, Within the Eucharistic prayer, around that heart, which is the, the, the consecration, we pray for the Holy Father, we pray for the bishop, the local church, all the clergy, all the faithful. We also pray for those who have died. So we're recognizing, we recognize that communion of saints in the Eucharistic prayer. And again, another, another link with the heavenly Jerusalem. Okay, now we're not praying for those who are in heaven, but those who are in purgatory. Um, and we also pray for the intercession of the saints there. And at the end of the Eucharistic prayer, there is a special closing through him, with him, and in him, etc., that the priest can sing. And that's called the great doxology. Doxology means to praise. So we all know the little doxology, glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. But this is the great doxology. And there should be a great resounding amen at the end of that doxology. Uh, sung, ideally sung, um, we, where we acknowledge, we acknowledge strongly um, the power of the mercy of God in what has been what we have been allowed to participate in, which in the Eucharistic prayer is that offering of Jesus to the Father for our salvation. At the end of the Eucharistic prayer, we stand and the communion rite begins. The communion rite, which I know we'll talk about at another time in more detail. So I'll just say for right now, the communion rite begins with the Our Father. The Our Father, where we declare that he is our Father. What a great moment of communion, acknowledging the same Father. We have the exchange of the sign of peace. The sign of peace, which is not simply to manifest reconciliation necessarily with our brother or sister, but it's also to acknowledge the reconciliation that Jesus has won for us, that we've just been witness or we have has been represented to us again in the Eucharistic prayer. After the sign of peace, then we have the reception of Holy Communion. And we have a period of thanksgiving, of quiet. And then there's a short prayer, similar to the opening prayer, which closes the communion rite. After the close of that, we say that the liturgy of the Eucharist is completed. And then in our concluding rites, we have the um, um, a blessing. The priest kisses the altar and departs.
again, we often have a hymn on the way of the recessional, just as we had an entrance hymn. Um, so if you notice, the priest kisses the altar just at the be like at the beginning, and his giving us the blessing, again, reflects the sign of the cross at the beginning of Mass. The last words to us, however, are the dismissal. The dismissal where the priest clearly tells us to go forth. Right? There are four different options about how the priest is to tell us uh, how to send us forth. But there we have, again, reflecting back on that meaning of the word mass, to be sent forth. That the mystery of Jesus that's been revealed to us in this mass that has enlivened us, and we'll talk about more about that next time, enlivened us, nourished us, re-energized us spiritually to, to take forth into the world. That's a pretty good summary of, of the mats, um, but we'll have to conclude there and we'll come back for the next interview soon enough. So thank you again, Sister All right, Moira. You're welcome. Bro. That was Sister Moira de Bono speaking on the Sacrament of Holy Communion, the Mass. For more from the Introduction to the Sacrament series, visit cradio.org.au.